0: blog talk radio
1: The information discussed during this show is not intended to diagnose, treat, prevent or cure any condition. If your pet is currently experiencing any medical issues, please seek immediate assistance from a licensed veterinarian.
0: Hello,
2: you've reached Holistic Pet Care with Dr. O'Sullivan. I'm calling, and uh, we're t- talking today to Colin Jots and Michelle Jots. They are the founders of a wonderful organization out of Vegas called Colossal Canine Care. We're going to be talking today about uh, what started out as a large breed rescue organization, and the intent behind the rescue was to help the untouchables, to try to help the dogs that were in shelter that were considered to be possibly too young, too old, too small, too sick, too needy, or one of the breeds that people don't happen to adopt a lot. And luckily for me, um, when I was in Vegas and had the idea to try and help these dogs, uh, my friends were into very, very large dogs, as I was, and into helping them. So the idea of bridging a gap between... Kill shelters and no kill shelters, and um, was born in Las Vegas, where I came from and where this organization currently stands and does its good work. There's a very, very, very large shelter which does its best by far. I don't want anyone to get the wrong impression of kill shelters that we they do their best given the resources that they have, whether it's overcrowding, underfunding, understaffing, under adoption, Huge amounts of drop-off, those types of things, and then things like no-kill shelters, such as the big ones up in Utah, uh, which are again full, just like the kill shelters, of animals that have either been dropped off, or abandoned, or and we all know we all know the story of um, the uh, Vicks pits and such, where they just need some help. Now these no-kill organizations, they have the same issues with regard to financing and support and foster parents that the kill shelters do. But the focus of Colossal Canine Care was to really try to help the untouchables that were in the shelters where they would not survive. So I'd like to welcome, with my, with my warmest, warmest thanks, Colin, for you to join us today and let us know what Colossal Canine Care is doing and has done and your thoughts.
1: Good morning, Caroline. How are you?
2: I'm awesome, awesome. I'm so excited that you're here with us. I can't even tell you. And I do know that we have a lot of listeners in Vegas and the surrounding area. They um, sometimes call in and ask some questions, and I have seen that they're located probably right next to you. <laughs> so um, if you don't mind going over a little bit of history of how you got drug into this, that would be awesome.
1: Okay. And I'm, I'm very excited to be here. Um, as you all know, because this actually was all your idea um, about... <laughs> About three years ago, we, we sat down with Caroline, uh, Michelle, and myself, and we talked about going into business together and opening our own kenneling facility. And as we went around and looked at, at, at some of the places, the whole idea kind of morphed from, well, we don't really have to go into kenneling right away, but let's go ahead and uh, how about we start off rescuing dogs. So we sat down with a friend of hers, uh, Tina Walls, who's a, a local attorney,
2: Right. Sat Lucky down, and for drafted us. all.
1: For us. Yeah, sat down and uh, drafted all the paperwork with uh, myself and uh, Michelle and uh, a couple other people on the board, and uh, Colossal Canine Care kind of came to fruition. I mean, none of us had any idea <laughs> of, of what we were do, doing or, or exactly how to go about it, but all of our hearts were in the right place. We all knew that they were. There were dogs in need that that nobody else was going to help, and somebody needed to to fill that that void in this town where you know the dogs that that no one else was going to reach out and do anything for. Um, right. So it, it it started all like that, and in, in, in June of 2010. And
2: uh, oh golly, was it really that long ago? My yes, goodness. it was. Wow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the. I do remember going around to the, some of the facilities that we all looked at together, and some of them were very, very excited about when it came right down to it, like Colin said, that we were going to have to do this on our own, in our homes, out of our pocketbooks, and with the help of... Um, we had the blessing of one of our mutual friend clients was, as Colin stated, an attorney, so she was able to get all the paperwork together, which is a big deal for a 501c3 for a nonprofit. Because as much good as you want to do... You have to make sure that all of your T's are crossed, all your I's are dotted, and that um, everyone keeps track of, I guess, every penny, every permit, every vaccine, every placement, every and uh, every nook and cranny of these, these wonderful dogs when they come out of, whether it be a shelter or a personal home or wherever it is they come from, because we're ultimately responsible for these guys once we decide to take this kind of thing on. So... Uh, which <laughs> um your house and my house, as I recall, were um, a little bit crazy because we all had our own herd for lack of a better yes. word of gigantic dogs um my uh, the, the Jotsas and myself, I think it's fair to say that our favorite breeds are English Mastiffs, so it really doesn't get much bigger than that and um and the things that go along with it so
0: um
2: and then. Bring in the bring in the guys that needed the most help. Colin, do you remember how it is we determined or how we decided who was coming in the beginning? I remember our relationship with the shelter and the, the rescue coordinator there. Um, she was very very helpful in facilitating a lot of our things. Yeah,
1: it was I do, it was it was Ashley at the time when we first started. At the uh, forgive me because I can't remember her last name, but. Um, <laughs> Because uh, that was the only way I ever referred to her was was Ashley in emails and in phone calls and um, we just went down there and it was it was it was a little strange because it was right after um, they had switched over from lead to the animal foundation and they had the uh-huh. the big the big turnover when they had to um, they ended up euthanizing quite a few dogs in mass and then it uh, yeah, a, 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 a change in a change in leadership over there so they uh-huh. were and there was a bunch of local organizations similar to our own, other rescues, but had uh, come out publicly and, and just vocally bashed anyone connected with that organization. They were, uh, for, for quite a while, actually up until about the last year, they were very leery about working with rescues. Right, right. Down. It was
2: a tough time. It was a tough time. So, you know, they just had a disaster that happened there that was very costly and very public. Um, but they certainly, when I, in my memory of being involved with them, was very supportive. You know, we really, you know, everyone there seemed to be very supportive and, and wanted the same thing.
1: Yeah, we we, we sat down and, and had a couple of meetings with 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 Ashley and um, I'd, I, it, our relationship with them after the first couple of meetings, we kind of reassured them that that's not our program. It's all about the dogs. Mm-hmm. We're not here to pass judgment on anybody. We understand that they're in a thankless, impossible situation. No, they they, do the
2: best. Oh, Colin, you couldn't have said that more brilliantly. Isn't that oh, thankless and possibly very nice? Very nice.
1: And, and they, oh. they 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 do the best that they can. Every, everybody down there that I've spoken to, I've never had a bad experience. Everybody's heart seems to be in the right place.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, we've had a wonderful working relationship with them. A, a, a large majority of our dogs come from there, but we also we've rescued several dogs from California. Um, when you were still here with us, you brought some into your <laughs> home from California, um, and nice. we've we've even we've even taken some as far away as uh, um, uh, Arizona, as you know. When we when we uh, picked up Roxy, that that or actually you picked up Roxy, that right. poor girl that was just left in the backyard in Arizona. There.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now I, the, the uh it's very easy when we talk about rescue, or we talk about um, shelters, and we talk about um, the circumstances in which we've decided to dive into and get kind of negative and finger-pointing and horror stories. I mean, really horror stories, which unfortunately are the things that we've seen, you more so than I. Um, but I think it's important for a listening audience to know the, some of the circumstances that these guys are, are coming out of and that our responsibility to our four-legged fuzzies from the moment we decide to bring them into our lives are of utmost importance. And so um, and in, in Vegas in particular, um, we can think about the changes that have happened there with economics, with housing, with things that many people honestly, honestly have no control over and they have to make some really horrible decisions about what, what to do with their loved ones and how they're going to move on and those types of things. Now, when I was there, that had quite a bit to do with the surrendering of their animals. And um, that's, I think, being um, a little bit gracious, because I also think on the other side of the coin, there are too many people that don't take responsibility for owning their four-legged fuzzies and seem to think that they're um, uh, dispensable, they're, you know, yeah, um,
1: I I I, I kind of refer to them as, as as people think of their dogs as disposable. They just they're they're like they're like any other piece of property that they own. As soon as they're done with it, they just go ahead and throw it away. And that is that is not the case. I mean, you look into a dog's eyes, and you can see that they. I'm getting a little choked up. <laughs> it's okay. That's
2: important. That's important for this because the people are listening. Are they feel the same way, and that knowing that there are people like you and organizations such as the one you're, you, you're the drive behind exist, um, and that they can help, they can help without getting as entrenched as the rest of us that are speaking have. It's really important that we just kind of get that out there that it's not okay. It's they're not dispensable. They are. It's it, they're not a piece of property le- legally or not. And so, the the work, the good works that you guys are doing. And getting this out, to everybody that's listening, is so important with the emotion. You know, with the emotion that goes along with it because this is a heartfelt endeavor. This isn't politics. It's not money. It's not organized paycheck shelter medicine or anything else. This is pure pure love, pure heart drive inside our homes, you know, and our lives and trying try to make sure we do a good job for these guys. And, unfortunately, try to make up for some of the... Hmm, Shortcomings, maybe
1: would that be fair to say? Other uh, yeah. uh, shortcomings is is generous. It's, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying, I,
2: Colin, I just, I'm really trying to be generous here. It's really, really I just, yeah. some
1: some some people's value on life is just, for lack of a better term, just atrocious. Mm. And every every life is precious, whether it be a person or a, you know a, a pet. I mean, right. they 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 contribute so much to our lives. In fact they've done God how many studies to show that people that are responsible pet owners live longer because of what of what these guys contribute to our lives.
2: Well let's talk they, about that for a little while, Colin about your you know, I, I do know that we <laughs> that that you and Michelle and some of our other friends have experienced some really wonderful, wonderful things In being involved in this, do you have any anecdotes that you can share with the listening audience about (laughs) some some of the things that have maybe taught you a lesson or made you smile um, with these guys?
1: Um, There's there's one. It's he was. uh, I don't know if you were still. I think you were still here. Um, Went down to the animal foundation. We. We found uh he was a he was massive he was a giant uh old english mastiff and his name was caesar and he was he was he was geriatric which is one of our responsibilities as as our organization you know the, the older dogs are part of our purview as to one of the dogs that we rescue exactly he was exactly. he was maybe eight years old and um uh-huh. and then he had some vision problems he had some some skin lesions and he had uh, he had a bad foot and, and I get down there and well yeah he didn't have a vision problem he was pretty much straight up blind <laughs> and uh the, yeah. the 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 skin lesion actually turned out to be a uh, three um cysts that had ruptured uh-huh. on uh right above his hips in his hind quarter and then kind of massed together as a giant infection and then mm-hmm. uh, his one of his one of his rear paws was so swollen and infected that we were we were worried that we weren't going to be able to get it under control. Um, now, now point, th- I'm
0: sorry.
2: Go
1: ahead. Go, go ahead, ahead. I'm sorry.
2: I was going to just say that that one might be able to imagine whether you've ever been into a shelter or not. That how how much do you think Caesar weighed, Colin?
1: Oh God, he was he probably should have weighed about 200 pounds. Okay. And if if my memory serves, he was only about 120.
0: Oh
2: my God, <laughs> oh no! So for for our listening audience here, when you when you think about mastiffs, um, it, you know, old English mastiff is a foundation type breed. These guys, especially the males, um, they uh, most of our most of our big boys have topped out at what 180, 200 pounds, 210, 220. Yeah. You know, my largest one was 232, and um, his name was Gabriel, and they are, um, <laughs> oh, so Michelle's on with us now. Um, so I want to make sure that people know that we're looking at a 200-pound dog, okay, and a 200-pound dog who's 8 years old. But for a 200-pound dog, 8 years old is considered geriatric. You know, that, that's a, that's, a um, that's an older dog. Now, if you're looking at a Chihuahua or you're looking at a small, white, fuzzy dog, 8 years old might be middle-aged. But as we get larger, their lifespan is shorter and then an 8-year-old, 200-pound dog is a task to take on in the first place. And as Colin described, we have multiple issues here. Now, Colin, do you mind going into our Michelle? Welcome to the show if you're here. Thank
0: you. Good morning.
2: Good morning, hon. How are you?
0: I'm fantastic. Thank you for having us.
2: <laughs> you're very welcome. Colin, do you mind explaining to the audience why if, you're, if you went into a shelter or if you were in charge of a shelter, like a kill shelter, a mentally-funded shelter, that an eight-year-old 200-pound dog with the issues that you've described definitely falls into the untouchable category as compared to some of the other animals that might be there.
1: Um, Because generally most people who look to adopt dogs, uh, surprisingly, and I had to do some research to find out about this, most people that that go to shelters or adopt dogs are first-time pet owners. And they, they don't understand, I mean, I, we all understand how much of a responsibility it is to have a dog. But to have a dog that's older with health issues, uh uh-huh. He's you know, most people don't want to deal with that. They don't want to look at that. And they don't want a dog that they're going to go ahead and take home and then maybe be able to do some hospice with and get them healthy and then lose them after a year and a half. I mean, that's, that's hard for anything that you fall in love with. Right. But right. On, from from our standpoint, that's what they deserve. Exactly. They just they, they deserve to have their last days. It, it hopefully, be the best days that they've ever had. And and that's 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 our goal. And that's those are the type of people that we we try and, and find in order to adopt these dogs, it's, it's especially the older geriatric ones that may only have a you know a couple months or a year left. Let's let's make them healthy as happy and as happy as we possibly can before it's time for them to go.
2: Right, 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 that's, and going along with that and being able to just say that as a matter of course, you know, that's just what we do, it, it, it doesn't lose for a second how hard that is for everybody that's involved, you know, and I think that the dog is getting this outpouring of love and medical attention and good food and good environment and, um, trying to make up for who knows what, but, um, it, the people that do it, it's, it's very trying. It, it's, a, it's an emotional outpouring. It's just tough. But, um, well, it's more than tough. That's, that's an understatement. But the things, at least for myself, that we learn by taking care of these big old guys and gals and helping them feel better every day and helping them um, sometimes, you, correct me if I'm wrong, but you know when they look at you for that first time and their eyes are bright or they wag their tail or they do something that is joyful or they trust you those types of moments I think those are just precious I mean just precious so um, can you tell us what happened with Caesar?
1: um amazingly enough, we were able to about a year after we started we were able to uh have a partnership with the College of southern Nevada with um yes yeah. and uh long story short um it actually turned out to be to caesar's benefit that uh he was underweight because the the <laughs> infected mass on uh, above his hind quarter was so large that they had to excise the entire thing and i mean when, when i talk about large i said the diameter of that thing was um about the size of a baseball maybe a little larger
2: oh god and
1: uh all the the extra skin that he had Uh, left over they were able to to pull back together and suture Um, I was able to just doing just doing in-home care I was able to to soak his foot and get the the infection under control and Uh uh, there was obviously nothing we could do for his eyes but he was for a dog that was as sick as he was and had been through what he was he, he was just he was the sweetest old guy I mean, he just bounced off of everything in the house, and the other dogs running around didn't help because there was now no moving furniture in the house. But uh, he, we found it. We found it a, a a great home for him. Um, you you know, Karen, she ended up taking him because she uh, she loves the geriatric dogs, and and Dr. Olson did a fantastic job from College of Southern Nevada. When he was done and his hair grew back. You would never know that there was anything wrong with him that 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 giant mass was even there, and he was now, he was a be- beautiful, healthy brindle and and he th- we got it we got another year out of him and i think i i i don't think I know it it had to be the best year of his life, especially right right
2: on right on right on and the, and and also for us to to be able to like do things like that or see you know I imagine that this is a big old guy who was feeling better and not so infected and loved. And, you know, just having a good time, like you said, the best year of his life. Now, Michelle, is there is it possible that you
0: can maybe put a number
2: on Caesars Care? Uh, we, You know, you guys were lucky enough to partner with, who was it, of Southern Nevada?
1: The, the College, College of Southern Nevada with Dr. Olson.
2: College of Southern Nevada. And then let's say medications. We say your time in foot-soaking food for a 200-pound dog um, those types of things, so the amount of time that you had, just for a listening audience, to know how, what kind of financial commitment, not, not care, not veterinary, not anything else, just pure numbers. If you decide to go in to something like, "I want to adopt a large breed dog that 's senior or that may have medical problems or those types of things, we want to know what our responsibilities are, both in our hearts in our home for our checkbook, right? So any ideas on that, Michelle?
0: Um, you know, it, it kind of depends on the extent of the uh, the injuries for some of the ones that we take in or some of the medical issues that they have. Um, you know, we've been lucky where some of them it's only a matter of committing your time. Um, right. And, um, you know, obviously we recommend you put them on the the highest quality food, uh, but not everybody can afford that. It's um, it's truly a matter of how much of yourself you're willing to put into the the dogs to give Mm -hmm. them that quality of life. Um, But I would say, I mean, if you're looking at bringing in a Mastiff who is just geriatric with no other issues, you're probably Uh looking at a couple hundred bucks a month.
2: All right. Um, (laughs) I give a hundred bucks a month. Now, um, We've been, we've been, you guys have been lucky enough to run across a ton of really awesome veterinary care. I mean, between our initial, initial uh, conversations and then the stuff we got with Dr. Mike and the facilities there and then your relationship with the college and such, um, just a bunch of people that, and then also with the referral center, if my memory serves, that these people are extremely skilled professionals and it's been my experience that even though you're going there to get a service. The people that volunteer, not necessarily volunteer, but don't um, bring their time to these guys or are open-armed when you say, I have a rescue or I say I have something from the shelter, these are people with huge hearts as well. They—they, they, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a price tag on it, of course there is, but with what it is that they do, it's not, it, it, I feel as though the people I've come into contact with in medicine have the same, heartstrings that, that we do when they're caring for these big old guys or anything that comes out of a shelter that may not have had the greatest time up until they're meeting with them. Do you guys find that that's true or do you have some other stories?
0: Absolutely. No. Um, I, I can give you an example of uh, Clyde. Um, a, a, a pet owner took this ginormous mastiff um, into a, an eye surgeon's office and found out that he was going to have to have an eye removed. Uh-huh. Um, the owner couldn't afford the cost. The veterinary surgeon called us and said, hey, can you take this dog? I'll do the surgery for free if you guys will take this dog in. Um, and we did. And amazingly, the dog was adopted at a, by someone in his own office. And uh-huh. if this is a, a geriatric mastiff with only one eye, I mean, a face only a mother could love, And he just, he knew that the right thing to do was to take care of this dog because he did have a lot to give back to someone else.
2: Yes, 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 yes. And and even, even um, even if on your daily job, like let's say the jobs that you and I do every single day when we get busy or we get stressed or we just get stuck in the momentum of what it is we do every day, when you run across an opportunity to give back or to give the skills that you might have, that other folks don't have, or give that space in your house, or give that whatever that you just might not have, and people actually step up and they just do it, like this veterinarian that said, I'll do this for free, but I just need to know you guys would give this dog a, a, safe, a safe haven. How great is that? I mean, that, I think that those relationships we make with other humans, Colin, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, or tell me and give me some examples here, that sometimes when you run into humans that are kind, and have big hearts, and of course, dog lovers. In my opinion, um, it adds to our essence. It kind of adds, you know, our relationships with other humans that are like-minded, and I think that just good people. Um, it, it really kind of empowers us a little bit, or guess, I guess for me, gives a little bit of faith back that, that, regardless of how um, hard things are, that there are good people out there, especially the dog lovers. What do you think?
1: Absolutely, it, it, it's it, it really. Adds validation to what we're Absolutely. doing that there are there are other people out there that 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 care the way we do and you know they're 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 less interested in um, the business aspect of it and and doing the right thing. Just a, a a good example just this week. I mean, you you know Austin from Doggy District. Yeah, of course. He's he's been so supportive of this organization from the very beginning and. Dog kenneling, though very popular, is not an easy business, and he's, he's done a, him and his associates have done a remarkable job in, in that aspect. But every time, every time without fail, that we have asked him for a favor, if they, if they can take a dog into their facility and hold him for a few days for us until we find a foster or a space for him, he has never let us down. And he did that for us this week with a, a Great Dane that we re- recently took in that we're just having a hard time placing because he's just a, a giant ten-month-old spaz, and people are having <laughs> a hard time, hard time controlling him. And it's just you know, as you know, it sometimes some dogs just take it takes an owner with a really strong personality to to teach. Uh, I hate to use the phrase, but to you know to, to show him his place, to, so he knows how to act and what's proper and what's improper and so he can, you know, become part of somebody's family rather than the bowling pin that rolls around your house knocking the family over.
2: That, that's perfectly, that's, that's a perfect lead in here. So when we have our 10-month-old Spaz or whoever we have and we don't have them in a situation, whether they were never in a situation where they got any kind of rules or any kind of lines in the sand or any kind of appropriate relationships with humans, um, doing things like that that you spoke about Tell me what it takes to get a dog, tell me what it takes to get this 10-month-old spaz into a happy, loving home that will not get frustrated, that will not try to surrender him again, who will not end up tying him in the backyard. You know, that frustration aspect that comes with a 10-month-old spaz. When Colossal Canine Care goes to move um, a dog such as this or any of, our, any of the dogs into a loving home, I know that you guys make full disclosure and that... Um, tell me what your policies are about that Because this would be a tough placement Even though it's not a senior dog Even though it's not an ill dog Even though it's not a dog that requires surgery Or special diet or special needs Tell me about these guys What you put into them To make sure that they're going to mesh Into a lifetime home
1: Michelle, you Either want
0: to go ahead with that one? Or?
1: Uh, no, go ahead, Tony Go ahead um, <laughs> it's, it's actually kind of hit or miss um, you generally try and find somebody who has experience with that breed, mm-hmm. um, but that's it, it helps. But um, it's, it's usually it's it's not a it's not a guarantee, um, and, and you just you just have to you have to fully prepare them. We every dog that that we take in, whether like you were saying, he he'd be geriatric or have health issues and. This is actually probably, I, th- I think, I and mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Michelle, only the second dog that we've had, had that we've had a hard time placing because of behavioral issues. Yes. Yeah. Um, two, two dogs he,
2: in three and a half years, very nice. That's not bad at all. <laughs> That's just not yeah, bad at no, all.
1: No, no, it's, it's, it's really not. Um, and just to kind of push the whole rescue thing, I, in my experience, especially doing this, and we've done – I don't even know how many dogs over the last...
2: What do you think, Michelle? How many dogs through 12? years? years. Um, upwards of 150. Good deal. Very, very
1: um, nice. Very nice. It's just you have to find the, the, the right person with the right mindset, especially for the behavioral problems, because these people have to understand that a dog is a commitment of your time, your finances, your emotions. But a dog with a behavioral problem is a serious time commitment. It's not the type of dog where you can just, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. You're on your own. I'll be back in, you know, 14 hours. I'm going to go to work, and then I'm going to go out drinking with my friends. No, you have to <laughs> go to work, come home, and you, you just not hang out with him. You have to give him some attention, take him for a walk, and correct the disciplinary problems that you see. Like, he's, he's mm-hmm. when he stands on his hind legs, he's super thin for – his size uh-huh. he's only he's only about hundred pounds when he stands on his hind legs the dog's six foot two <laughs> and he's a, he's a jumper, so he likes to hop up and try and put his paws on your shoulders and if you're a seven year old child that's really not gonna work
2: mhm, oh my gosh, okay. yes, that's no good, no good um so you guys do you guys are you guys in um affiliation with any kind of dog trainers or behavioralists and those types of things or you let the people that are going to adopt do that, and um, how do you guys approach that with him? Um,
1: we we try and do some of it ourselves. Um, Michelle and I generally take in the dogs that are the worst off. It's uh-huh. The dogs that usually have the health issues, and since this is the only one with a with a with a behavioral issue, we haven't brought them home yet because the last time the last one we had a behavioral issue with. it <laughs> kind of went really sideways for us but uh <laughs> um i i you know i don't know we've we've looked around at 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 um dog training in in town and we, we just haven't found anybody that especially working with rescues when right you don't know what kind of history these dogs come from we don't exactly know what type of abusive environment they came from. Was it just neglect where mm-hmm. they just weren't properly fed and cared for? Or was it, I mean, was the dog actually physically abused, you know, where they Hurt. were, yeah, where they were, where they were, you know, beaten with either a hand or a stick or kicked or, and some of the, some of the the, the dog training methods Yes. don't really coincide with that because you'll you'll take a dog that's already stressed by human interaction and uh-huh. you're just going to make yeah. it worse by putting them through that stressful kind of training because whether you, you think it is or not and don't don't get me wrong there's there's all kinds of benefits to obedience training and I'm a, sure. I'm, I'm a firm believer in it but you need to find someone who does obedience training that has experience with rescue dogs and dogs that have been abused and neglected so you don't take the the, the, the um, mental damage that, that these poor animals have suffered from and uh-huh. and actually pile onto it. Our job is to take that away to help them forget.
2: Oh, perfect. That's just perfect. And, and it's not, once again, that's just one aspect of taking these guys on, but it's so important and it takes a lot of time and research and knowing what it is you're looking for. And I know that you guys help them with that by saying the things that you just said, Colin. Now this is this is going to be a moment of shameless self-promotion. Are you guys ready? Uh, for our listeners, I would like you guys, to call, maybe Michelle, um, to let the listeners know how do we find Colossal Canine Pyramid online, by phone. What do you guys do? Facebook. Uh, just let, let's um, let's give them um, all the information they would need. To find more information about you guys, contact you guys, and donate to you guys, as well as uh, let's talk a little bit about um, October fur, if you don't mind.
0: Fantastic. Um, we and I appreciate that. We uh, we don't get the opportunity to self-promote much because that we more prefer word of mouth. So I appreciate the opportunity to seize that. Um, the uh, The biggest medium for us is Facebook, and you don't have to have an account in order to view our page, um, and it is. CCC Foundation, all one word, which stands for Colossal Canine Care Foundation, that's our biggest medium. Um, So we kind of keep people updated on our upcoming events, the dogs that are available, when we need help right away. Uh, That's that's where we post that information spur of the moment. We do have a webpage. Um, It is not as prolific as we would like it to be. Uh, It's hard to keep that updated, but we do have one, and it's cccrescue.com. Um included on there is also the information about October Fur, um, which mm-hmm. I will get into after I give more ways you can contact us because we want to make it as easy as possible. Um, we, uh, we don't have a business phone. We run off of my husband's cell phone. So when he's working, God bless him, he's doing his best to try and shag calls. But our business phone is his cell, which is 702-400-8832. It's 702-400-8832. We do have an email as well, which is colossalcaninecare at yahoo.com. Um, so um, we would try to keep it all relatively simple. It's tough to find everything with the same initials because people are very busy <laughs> on the line. But uh, October fur is our annual fundraiser. Um, it has gotten bigger and bigger every year. We're very excited by that. It is nice. Sunday, uh, it's Sunday, October 27th. We've had it at the same park the last three years, which is Bruce Trent Park, Rampart and Vegas Drive in Las Vegas. Um, This year we're partnering with uh, CATS, which is called, the acronym is Colucci's Animal Trappers and Savers, Um, and their goal is no more starving animals. So we will be taking food donations for them. Colossal does not take food donations because of storage issues, but Colucci's does. So um, dog food, cat food, they have a pay-it-forward program where somebody reaches out to them because they need food they have to come forward with a plan on how they're going to pay that donation forward to other people. Uh, great organization run by um, a couple of senior citizens who just run it out of their home. They're wonderful people. So we're partnering with them this year. Um, we have uh, a mobile food vendor out there. We've got a live band, the Locomotives, um, a DJ, DJ Nonsense is out there. There's going to be a pet costume contest at 2 o'clock um, a silent auction, raffles, and carnival games, including a rock climbing wall for kids. Uh, it's just uh, it's gotten bigger and better every year, and we'd love for one day to be as big as Petapalooza. That's kind of our goal for right that. On. And it's it's the big fundraiser we do every year. It's really the only fundraiser we do to try and raise funds one time a year.
2: And and then Colossal is, Colossal is a five hundred one c three, so it is a it's a it's a uh, nonprofit. So correct me if I'm wrong, are donations to Colossal Canine Care um, tax deductible? Is that the right word for it? Or you can be factored into your taxes, is that right?
0: They are tax deductible. Um, right now, all donations will be run through CAT. So okay. um, we would prefer that people make their donations to uh, CAT. And, then, uh, and yes, they are all 100% tax deductible.
2: Because sometimes, sometimes there are questions about there's certain people that call themselves rescues and such, and I think that sometimes that adds to aggravation. So some people right. it's like, are you, you know, it's kind, of, it's kind of using the word loosely, or if you say you're a non-profit, and some people maybe mistakenly or maybe for other reason. But it's important I think that our listening audience knows that that um, Colossal is, is a 501c3, um, and all of all of the. All the paperwork, all the procedures, everything that needed to get done to make this an ongoing, enlarging, wonderful, expansive experience to help these guys um, are in place now. Um, can, I can I just add everyone...
1: something? Can I yeah, just add something to that real quick? I, I, I think it's important for everybody to know that, um, along with all that, that uh, everyone, everyone that has anything to do with our organization is a volunteer. None of us get any of the proceeds. Everything we have goes into promoting our fundraisers or directly into the the the, the uh, care and rehabilitation of the dogs. We Everybody that we work with donates their time, um, their own personal money, their their homes to to work with us now, every every penny that we get during our fundraisers or the the random donations that we get from time to time um, all goes straight into the organization. It doesn't align anyone's pocket.
2: Colin, that's perfect, isn't it, because that's a suspicion that people do have and that there are large organizations for all reasons that unfortunately pieces, parts of the donations go to fund individuals or pay them a salary or those types of things, and that is just 100% not the case with Colossal. Um oh, awesome. i
1: and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the organizations that do that please don't don't misunderstand me i just i just want everybody to be clear that whatever whatever they give us in one way or the other through promoting our events or you know buying the paperwork so we can you know keep up with our the tracking of the dogs or buying food or paying for medical care it, it's you know some organizations are so large that you just you have to pay some of your staff work
0: mm-hmm. we
1: have four board members. And we all we all do it because we love the dogs and it's it's what we want to do. It's it it filled you know we we try and fill that gap between the kill and no shelters and and doing working with with this rescue and 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 saving these dogs fills whatever gap that we had in our lives. Oh,
2: very nice, Colin. Very very nice. Um, and that that's a very important piece of this, isn't it? Is that that I, I, I'm going to do a little bit of shameless self-promotion here, and then I'd like to. Um, Continue with that thought, Colin, because it's, it's very important that people get a sense of how self-empowering this is, and how our relationships, especially when you do the hard work, you know, the groundwork, the heavy lifting of these types of organizations, that um, it actually adds to our faith, our health, our wellness, and our self-empowerment. So, um, for those listeners, if you'd like to call in with a question, if you'd like to call in and talk to Colin and Michelle, the phone number here is three. 3- 347-215-6138. Once again, three four seven two one five six one three eight. Also, if you'd like to, uh, if you're listening on a podcast and you'd like to email us, it's listeners at sylviaglobal.com. So feel free to give us a call, email in a uh, question, and we'll get right on that for you because this is a very important topic for so many people. So. If uh, Michelle or Colin, if you'd like to kind of address the things that we get with um, being involved in an organization like this, where we do things just because we want to, I would love to hear that. And it's personal, and I know, and if it, it gets, it, it, it's hard sometimes. So, um, and let me see here, um, let me see here, I've actually got a caller coming in, um, Uh, Actually, Colin Michelle, there's a a caller coming in here and I'd like to ask you guys a question so you can actually address them personally. If I were to come across a large dog on the street that appeared to be malnourished, sickly, or just in general have been abandoned on the street, I would be afraid to go anywhere near them. And my immediate reaction would be to go to the nearest vet or pound. What, uh, What could I do instead to make sure that they get someone like you rather than a pound that would put them down it's not adopted. What do you guys think?
0: Well, you know, it's funny. Colin and I had this conversation recently because people are concerned about taking animals to the Animal Foundation. The, the one thing to consider is that that is the number one place in this valley that people go looking for their animals. So, you know, unless you're willing to host the animal on all kinds of sites and and try and market them to try and find them a way home yourself, the best way to do it is truly to send them back to the Animal Foundation, who does partner with us. Um, You know, um, most people are not willing to go spend the outlay of cash that it takes to get a dog healthy when they do find it on the street like that. Um, Uh And the Animal Foundation does what they can to get them immediately healthy and then reaches out to rescues like us. Um, and they do have a page that is dedicated solely to dogs that can only be picked up by rescues, and that we we partner with them in that. Um, so you know, unless if you're able to pick up a dog and and take it to get it scanned to see if it's microchipped to reunify, that's wonderful. But really, the best alternative after that is to take them to the Animal Foundation.
2: Now, what? Now, can you explain to me? You said that there's a page that for animals or only for rescue. Now, is that, that's a listing that is with the shelter and then they make those decisions and then they contact you guys and say, hey, we've got something that can only go to shelter, that can only go to rescue today or can only go, we're not gonna send it to the public or we're waiting for a period of time for maybe the possible owner to contact Doesn't ask us if they're there or those types of things. How can you maybe ease some people's minds with regard to what happens to my four-legged fuzzy if they do get out and they end up at the pound or, you know, the shelter or the animal foundation. Can you maybe go through that maybe to ease some people's minds, and you know, um, that about the list and the times and the waiting periods and sure. such?
0: The, uh, the state law only requires that you make a reasonable effort to try and find the owner of an animal. And it doesn't specify what that reasonable attempt is. The Animal Foundation usually gives three days, three uh, working days, where they post an animal and give an uh, owner an opportunity to come in. But they and then they put them out for adoption if they are adoptable animals. If they're not what they consider adoptable, they have health issues or whatever. Because the Animal Foundation doesn't have the resources, they put them on that rescue side. So unless a dog is aggressive, and we're not talking about um, being scared aggressive, we're talking a dog that is. It, they don't just put dogs down. That, that's not what they do. And I think there's a, right. a, a lot of misinformation about that, that people think, okay, because a dog growls, they're immediately going to put it down. That's not the case. So, I mean, they have people who are pretty well trained, and, um, you know, sometimes they think a dog is friendlier than it even is when we get there. But uh-huh. they, that rescue page is dogs that have some health issues that, that make them not possible to be adopted by the general public because there's no health assurances, so right. they'll post they'll post those dogs on that uh, rescue-only page, and all the rescues that partner with them can scroll through that at any time, day or night, and say, we're going to pick up that dog, and it's not uncommon that in, in the 11th hour, as with Brutus, the dog we just um, sent to foster out in Utah,
2: it's not uh-huh. uncommon
0: for, the, for them to call us and say, if nobody picks up this dog, we have to make the decision today,
2: Yeah, the 11th hour.
0: Yeah, and they give us the opportunity to come save those dogs, and we've done
2: that. We have another. Thank you so much, Michelle. That was awesome. Um, We have another caller, um, and we have a question that's quite specific to your guys' area. So um, either one of you calling maybe. Um, We have a question here. How can we reach the animal foundation that you guys have mentioned repeatedly um, during our show here today? Is it a national number, or is there a way to get the local number? Now, we might be able to answer that, but then also maybe give ideas to listeners elsewhere. Uh, maybe give them some ideas on how they might proceed to do their best trying to do the right thing like you guys are doing, remembering that this is a global broadcast. Um, so let's start with the first question. How do we reach the Animal Foundation? Question mark Is it a national number, or is there a way to get the local number?
1: Either one of you. Uh, the animal foundation is it's it's a local facility it it's funded by philanthropists locally here that that and again they are not they are partially um city and county funded because all the um uh God, I can't. I'm sorry. I'm tired. I can't remember the right term. But all the dog catchers (laughs) go out and that that work for the city and county bring the dogs there when they when they go out and get them. Um, Just to kind of digress a little bit and go back to the other thing. uh, As far as the lost dogs. Yes. Please. The best way to ensure that your dog is going to get back to you, and, the, and um, no matter where it goes, whether somebody finds him on the street and takes him to an animal hospital or he goes down to the Animal Foundation, please, 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 if you're a pet owner, chip your dog.
2: Can you explain what that is to people? Because I run across folks that don't know what that
1: is. Um, they they make these, they're little, I mean, they're tiny microchips. They go through a large bore needle, and they, they put them into the back of the dog's neck, and it's, it's relatively painless for the dog, and you take a small scanner, and you run the scanner over it, and it gives you an identification number for the dog. Kind of, <laughs> excuse my visual- visualization, but kind of like a license plate number. And, yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: it's like having a low I think. Yeah. Yep.
1: You go ahead and you you <laughs> you you run <laughs> that. Still... <laughs> they go ahead and they they run that number, and when when you when you purchase these chips, um that number is associated with you and and that particular pet so they and it has a contact number and an address and everything so you go and run the chip you call either um, you know whatever whatever company that that makes the chip and they'll they'll either give you the information which doesn't happen all that often unless you're an animal hospital um, or you're a a large uh, facility like the animal foundation or right. they'll just go ahead and contact them for you and tell them where their pet is or how to get a hold of whoever has their pet. Right,
2: right, right.
1: Um, so it, folks, it,
2: oh, everyone's talking. Go
1: ahead. go
0: ahead. As for the Animal Foundation, um, their website is animalfoundation.com, um, and it is a local number, like Colin said. It's 702-384-3333. Good for good.
1: And, Very and, nice. if, and if you live here in town, it's right on... Uh, North Mojave, almost right across from Freedom Park, just just south of Washington. If, if for those listeners that are actually in Las Vegas, you can't miss it. It's a big giant building.
2: Michelle, can you give the number? I'm sorry, Michelle, can you give the number again for the Animal Foundation?
0: Absolutely, it's 702-384-3333. Uh-huh.
2: Okay, and then um, Colin, do you mind going through? Let's say I get a new puppy, or I get a dog, or those types of things, and I I just listen to what you said, and I get it, getting a microchip is very important to me. How do I go about doing that?
1: Um, actually, we offer that at our event.
2: Oh,
1: that's great. That's great. Yeah, we yeah. the, the, the um, College of Southern Nevada does teaching for veterinary techs. Um, Good. so in our partnership with them, they come out and they they put up a booth, and we have our own store of um, microchipping that we do for dogs and for uh-huh. for for um, twenty dollars they can come out and the vet techs will go ahead and take the dog and they'll go ahead and chip them um, you can ask for it if you adopt a dog from the animal foundation we chip uh-huh. all of our rescues before they go out or, or yeah. when they come in so if they go out to foster or when they, when they go out to their, their new permanent home they're already chipped and all all of I can't think of a, a veterinary facility that doesn't offer microchipping,
2: and then most and honestly, most of uh, you know,
1: collars and right. tags, and some some people tattoo their the, the inside of their dog's ear. It, it, I mean, that's all great, but the microchipping has become the big thing. It is the most reliable thing, and it's it's the one thing that can't be confused for anything else.
2: Good for you. Very nice. That's that's so, that's so important, isn't it? Because we can save a life, and we can get your four legged loved one back to you in a timely manner with a phone call. It's not it's not a hunt and peck, it's not you know, sitting somewhere for that three days, it's not we can bypass all of that and just say, make a phone call. And that being said, when you get the microchip, sometimes it's your most of the time it's your responsibility to register that microchip. Just like you register your car, register your insurance, those types of things. So just getting the chip doesn't necessarily make sure that all the your personal information, phone calls, uh, phone numbers, your backup phone numbers, those types of things are there. So Correct. making sure that you register those chips is so so important. But it it definitely saves lives and re, reunites family members. Absolutely.
1: And uh, and for for people that call us and and find a stray dog, uh, that's that's our 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 ultimate goal. I I would much rather. Get that dog back to his or his or her original home where they're 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 most comfortable and they're happy and where they you recognize all the faces around them. Then have to bring them in and put them through the stress of, okay, you're going to stay with this foster for a little while and then we're going to go right. ahead and move you to a new home. And it's you, you have to think of them uh, of the dogs in in terms of they're they're psychologically they're they're a lot like small children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they good. they they get stressed out and they get emotional and and they get they get confused just 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 like a, a a small child does if you know he gets lost at the mall or the first time you drop him off at daycare they don't they don't understand all they know is that I I I want to be with who I was with before please take me back there
2: exactly exactly now um, we are we're running a little short on time and I would like to give both of you an uh, opportunity to. If you had something that you want to tell the world, literally, about what it is you guys do and if you could send a message about the experience that you have with Colossal, the experience that you have with rescuing dogs, possibly how it's helped, you know, with, you know move, whether it moved your life, whether it's the empowerment, the relationships, that your kind of overall physiological health, welfare, whatever it is, if you had something you wanted to share with the world, with our listeners today, what would that be?
0: Um, I can tell you from my perspective that these dogs give us give us so much emotionally, physically, mentally, um, and, and they ask so little in return. Um, and that, that unconditional love, you, you don't get it anywhere else. There's a joke about, you know, I, I, my wife supposedly loves me unconditionally and so does my dog. I locked them both in the trunk and the only one who was happy to see me was my dog. <laughs> you know, I, it is it is that kind of, uncondi- I, I mean, to make light of it, but it is that kind of unconditional love that they're so forgiving and they're, it's unbelievable, the look in their eyes, and I hate to impart human emotions, but they do. They look at you and they yeah. just worship you, and you can't get that anywhere else.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, could, I could not agree with you more. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, Colin, do you have anything you'd like to add to that?
1: no i will i'll focus more on the 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 rescue aspect of it i have um god help me in my mid forties now and uh <laughs> i've are we I've,
2: all are we all, are we all? <laughs> I've, I've,
1: I've traveled from end to end of this country and i've i've done literally dozens of jobs and i i went to school and you know i've been in 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 my my current career field for coming up on seventeen years now and When we first started doing this back in 2010, I honestly Uh thought we were biting off more than we can chew. And some days it feels like that. Some days I just feel so ground down by everything else in my life and then to pile all this responsibility of of rescue on top of it. um, Sometimes feels like it's too much until you look at one of these dogs that's just... They, they've given up. They, they uh, just, they, they, they know deep down inside that it's over for them. And to give them a second chance and to watch that, that turnaround, to watch the dog lit- literally, in, in in, not a morbid sense, but but come back to life,
0: yeah, and realize
1: yeah. that it's yeah. not over for me. There are people out there for me. There are people that care. Yeah. And it's just, it it is honestly in my f- almost 45 years, is, has been the most rewarding thing that I've ever done.
2: Oh, good, good for you. good. For, that You know what? That, that couldn't have been better spoken. That could not have been better spoken. I need to add one thing to that, and this is, this is for me personally, but also very professionally. It's important that everyone that's listening and everyone you know that's ever come into contact with a non-human friend, remember, they do not have choices. We are 100% responsible for where they live, what happens to them, the medical care they get, what they eat, who loves them. So our ultimate responsibility to them is to realize that we make their choices for them. We're responsible for them. We are ultimately their advocate. So the more well-educated that we can be through wonderful people like Colin and Michelle and their experiences and their faith and the way they've chosen to spend their time, is of the utmost importance, and that all of of our friends, our four-legged, our non-human friends, they depend on us. They're they're not wild anymore. We've made sure that that's true. So it's our responsibility. So with regard to self-empowerment, with regard to self-education, with regard to self-financing, with regard to self-anything, know that you're not alone. Know that you are responsible for your commitment to your non-human friends. So that's just really important from my end of it, because they're not dispensable; they are not property they're loving, wonderful, breathing, emotional creatures that have nothing but good things to bring to our lives. Is that a fair thing to say you guys? what do you think absolutely
1: absolutely and 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 commitment is 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 the the best word that you can use in in terms of your responsibility for for these pets they're 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 not in my mind and and I think in a in a good responsible pet owner's mind they're not your pet this is part of your family this is yeah. one of your children
2: that's, right. that's and, right and that's
1: how you that's how you need to view them that you you are absolutely committed for life when you take in a dog and if you're not willing to do that then you're not a, a you're not a, a dog owner
2: all right you guys you have been the most wonderful wonderful guests and um I hope to see you in person very soon we have another minute or so uh, would you like, guys like to go over your contact information
0: one more time for those listeners who may have just
2: tuned in as we're phasing out to try and get a hold of you guys to be helpful, get information, and hopefully show up at your October?
0: Absolutely. Um, on Facebook, we are at facebook.com slash foundation. Our webpage is com.
1: If you want to get a hold
0: of us on the phone, we're at 702 702- Four hundred eight eight three two seven zero two four hundred eight eight three two and our email is colossalcaninecare at yahoo all one big word. Thank uh, you. Thank,
2: thank you guys so much for coming on the air today. It's it's just been perfect and so informational and a little bit heart a little bit heart wrenching for sure. And like I said, I hope to be in Vegas very soon to come Bob you at home and see all of your your newest gigantic loved ones.
1: <laughs> we look forward to that as well. well thank, thank you so much, Caroline.
2: You're very, very welcome. We'll stay on here until we hear some of this exit music, and then hopefully we can have a little talk. That would be great.
1: Sounds that would be good. All right, thank